I also understand why your people in Denver left it for you to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, I mean, some people can be put off by the idea of staying alone in a place where something like that actually happened. Well, you can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. And uh, as far as my wife is concerned, uh, I'm sure she'll be absolutely fascinated when I tell her about it. She's a uh, confirmed ghost story and horror film addict. <laughs> No. What does it sound like? Well, I'm not going to do it. I just told you. <laughs> Let's see. I tried to fool you, but it didn't work. <laughs> Let me finish this one off and ask me again. Yeah. Finish three of those and it'll just come naturally. Hey, listeners. Welcome to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is episode 99. Wow. Yeah. There's a few out there that aren't numbered, but this is the legit weekly show. We've done 98 other ones of these, and we're about to do this one right here. We should insert a, a mild firework noise. Or some uh, some fanfare of trumpets. Just yeah. one. <clears throat> yeah, sure. Just one. Hey, thank you to the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. And it's um, every week so far for almost two years thank you Moonrays, and you can find their music on amazon or itunes where you can buy it digitally you might even find an old-timey cd out there somewhere they might even still sell them i bet they do at their shows wax cylinders and everything yeah yeah uh, dictaphone belts from mm-hmm. like the kennedy assassination paper sure paper just holes punched in it yeah you ever seen a player piano in action uh-huh yeah it's one of those um, we will tend to spoil the movies we talk about. Uh, this episode's probably going to be some older movies, so no worries. Go see the old movies from, you know, 100 years ago. <laughs> well, okay, to be fair, like 70 and 80 years ago, some of them. Some of them maybe only 40 or 50 years ago. Maybe some new ones. They're old. Yeah, they're Watch old. an old movie. Go watch an old movie, people. <laughs> um, we're not professional critics. I should mention that, too. And uh, we're, we're art people, and we're going to talk about uh, movies. So movies are art. Sometimes art is movies. What are you going to do? So we're your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Jolien. Yes, you are. And uh, Will. Hello. hello. Yeah, that's the sound of their voices. <laughs> so what do you guys watch since last time? Will? Suspiria. Just lots of Suspiria. Oh, we went to see this. I the, went and watched the Suspiria and the... Uh, 4K uh, Synapse Restoration. Wow. How was it? It was amazing. Um, even more than the colors, the score was perfect. Um, 
they've brought it up. It looks and sounds amazing. Um, you really feel sort of hexed when Goblin's playing. Mm-hmm. It was so loud at times. It was, but just it fit. You notice a lot of little dialogue that at least I don't remember from watching it on DVD. So this played two nights here and sold out? It, uh, they played the first night, which I really wanted to see, was a 35mm uh, Italian cut mm. that they found in some cinema somewhere in Italy. I don't know. The providence behind the... Uh, the cut but uh the second night trust crypt yeah the second the second third and fourth night they played the 4k synapse Mm. restoration and like i said the color is beautiful uh seeing it on the big screen makes Mm. me want to watch all his good movies (laughs) on the big screen and maybe even his bad movies So was this a draft house or was it the place up on Colfax here? C. Which one? C. C? Yeah. I think that must be how they pronounce it. S-I-E? S-I-E. Okay. That's here in Denver for our listeners who don't know where we go, are. Go on their website and try to figure out what S-I-E means. Hmm. It doesn't appear to mean anything, but it's the Denver Film Society's theater. Huh. They used to be at the Tivoli Center. Now they're... Colfax right. and Elizabeth. Um, yeah, it was it was fantastic. Um, they showed a preview for a movie called Seventy Eight Fifty Two. Oh yeah. Oh, I think we all have to go watch I it. See that, yeah. It mm. looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, Psycho, Fizco, Fizco, <laughs> and uh, the shower scene in Fisco. It's just about the shower scene, isn't it? Just about the shower scene. Uh, There's 78 cuts and Mm. 52 seconds or something is what the title Mm -hmm. means. Okay. Um, A local person has put it together. I believe it's a short. I don't believe it's a... So it's 52 seconds long? Yeah. Okay. 78 seconds long. 78 minutes long. Yeah, I want to see that. But I thought we should watch that uh, when it comes out there and uh, maybe talk about some Hitchcock. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, Psycho would probably be one that I'd fit in with today's episode. Oh, for sure. It's on my list, actually. Fizco. Fizco. (laughs) For any listeners who missed that episode, there was a person who posted on one of the social media sites that they finally saw Fizco. Like they couldn't spell psycho. So that was pretty physcotic. You probably feel pretty silly when you find out Fizco is an actual horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not, it should be. So I didn't get to see it until quite a while after I'd heard of it. That's exactly how I saw Psycho. Was yeah. Psycho was one of those that I had seen bits and pieces of, but knew the entire storyline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, didn't really have any desire to see it and then mm-hmm. watched it one night and was blown away. Yeah. That even though you knew everything, everything that was going to happen, it was still shocking. And I don't know, it was just mind blowing. Yeah, I, I read the all end. these like analyses of it. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, um, 
I, you know, you know, they did those film books where it's like they took stills. Yeah. There's a whole book. It, I think did, like, I saw Frankenstein that Frankenstein and mm-hmm. various things. Yeah. So I, I thought I was pretty familiar with it. That's exactly and I how saw I it. felt. And the shower scene, the first time I saw it, just kind of, oh, that's, you know, that's well done. I kind of appreciated it yeah. academically. But then when the, uh, the fellow gets killed on the stairs, that yeah. was shocking. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I wasn't familiar with that. And then subsequent times I saw it, I appreciated appreciated it more. It felt, you know, it got better each time, you know? Yeah. More of an emotional effect. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely... Uh, it's one that. of the it's one of the movies that you know a uh, reason I don't worry about spoilers. Right, right. <laughs> because Psycho was totally spoiled. Well, and that was the first anti-spoiler movie campaign, though, wasn't it? I guess so. Don't let anyone was. in yeah, yeah. early he said, or late. Because uh, up, up to then, people would go into a movie any old time, and yeah. that was the one where he said, "Don't go in." Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they just played movies yeah. around the clock, right? And you'd go in whenever. And catch your cartoons and your newscast and your air conditioning. Your air conditioning and hey, people a movie. from people from the early '60s. Here's a novel idea: quit wearing wool suits everywhere you go, <laughs> and a hat. <laughs> you won't need to go sit around and watch Psycho for the third time. Fisco. Fisco and popcorn for dinner. Yeah. I saw it when I was about eight or nine years old. Wow. Thanks, mom. <laughs> <laughs> you did this to me. Did that freak you out? No. Actually, she told me um, that there was a surprising part, mm. and she meant the part with mother. Oh, okay. Uh, she said, yeah, you, you might be startled by this part. Because when you're that young, would you be so familiar with conventional structures no. that it wouldn't surprise you? Because <clears throat> when you're older, you're used to the character you start with, you follow through to the end of the movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's weird because you do lose who you think is your main character fairly early in the movie. You lose the entire plot. (laughs) And you discover something about yourself. Like when I saw it, when I was, of course, more mature than eight or nine years old when I first saw it. When I watched it again. When I watched it again when I was 12 and had my shit together. I noticed uh, that you discover something about yourself. You are rooting for uh, Norman Bates to for that car to sink into the water because it doesn't quite Mm -hmm. sink. And you think, Mm -hmm. Oh, he's, Oh, he's so screwed and you're rooting for it to, to go under you really, you just watched him stab a lady in the shower. Right. right. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Hitchcock, Hitchcock is really aware of that, isn't it? He's like acutely aware. Whoever you're, yeah. You identify with the, uh, the person who's like, could be caught. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then when you don't know this, but you are, if you don't notice it, yourself and someone tells you the next time you watch the movie it's all strings there's no other instruments all strings Mm -hmm. wow that was a really cool realization well it was a real cool revelation i should say someone revealed it and i watched the movie again and said no kidding it's all strings man i want to watch it again now yeah let's shut this off go watch psycho (laughs) physco (laughs) what else will i'm sorry uh other than that i watched uh I didn't watch much this week. I watched uh, first rewatched the first horror movie I ever watched. It's a child uh, horror of Dracula. Nice from Hammer mm. Films, nineteen fifty eight, starring cool. Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Man, doesn't. Get... And I've told the story before, but I lived. Uh, my folks were kind of 
hippies and they uh another couple lived in our house when i was a child and they had a couple boys one who was two years older than me and the other was four years older than me and we watched that and demanded a crucifix afterwards because <laughs> we were certain Dracula was going to come get us, yeah. even though he died at the end of the movie. That mm-hmm. didn't matter at all. You knew that, that he's still out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's true, kids. And we put the, well, first off, our hippie parents had no crucifixes, really. I don't know where they found <laughs> one, but it wasn't easy. And we put it up on the headboard, and in the morning, it had fallen between the wall and the headboard, and we were all convinced that, you know, Dracula had tried to get in, but I don't know. It held him off, but it meant he was coming back. <laughs> I was going to talk about that as one of my early experiences before I'd actually seen an actual horror movie, because there was this, like, early, like, uh, in, in Britain we had, like, children's hour, mm-hmm. about four to five after, you know so you watch it after school yeah and then it would go back to adult stuff so it was like early evening news whatever and there was this regular show i think it was nationwide and one night they had um uh something about horror movies so they show clips from dracula and nosferatu oh neat and the bit they showed from dracula was when uh, at the end where he you know he gets his nailed hand. by the sunlight his yeah. hand crumbles and uh and then the other uh from nosferatu they showed the shadow going up the stairs oh and his long fingers going across the yeah so yeah very scary yeah oh what are these things yeah exactly yeah that i don't remember having heard about dracula before i Mm -hmm. saw that movie so i was probably three when i watched that yeah. And uh three when you watch Horror Dracula. Yeah. And it uh of course I'm only assuming it was Horror of Dracula. I don't really know for sure. I know it was uh uh Christopher Lee mm-hmm. Hammer Dracula okay. film, but it could have been any of them. Uh... <laughs> so when did you see it? I would say <clears throat> probably we had two different horror um shows in chicago we had creature features which was on saturday nights at ten thirty, and we had a saturday afternoon i want to say it was on one of the uhf channels like 32 or 44 um and it was a it was a saturday afternoon thing so you would see commonly some horror from japan or great britain or sometimes other places so we got our godzilla movies and our hammer films that way um <clears throat> And some maybe lesser known or lower budget ones that they were able to just kind of get cheaply. I think that was all about budget back then. So I would have probably been between seven and ten years old the first time I saw Hammer Horror movies. Mm. And uh, and most everything else sort of just appeared earlier than that. And in my memory, it was always there. And that's the thing about having horror hosts or dedicated horror shows like that, that were weekly, you know, you, you got uh, used to it to the point where it's always there. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't remember there not being Sesame street or Mr. Rogers neighborhood. You don't remember there not being Godzilla movies, hammer horror films, universal studios, horror. It's always been there. Yeah. Like the clouds and the trees. It was never <laughs> not there. That's, that's uh, the best I could guess is, the hammer stuff probably about age eight or nine and 
yeah, I, I was happy to have that as well as everything else. Mm. Yeah. So, um, did we cover what you've seen since last time? Yeah, well, that's all I watched. Jo- Jolien, what's new with you? Uh, Before we jump into well, uh, the, uh, the foundations of our horror fandom. Uh, Gumby issue two just came out, which I draw most of. Yes. For listeners who don't know this, Gumby is is penned. Is it penciled and penned by you? you? Do you ink it? You ink all of it, right? Yep. Okay. So you pencil it and ink it, mm-hmm. and someone else does the color. Yep. Okay. So if you've seen the Gumby comics... It's that's... all out of clay. What are you talking about, Richard? It's just photos of good clay characters. He builds these little sats. Yep. You've got Paris. So, uh, yeah, it's been going... Uh, they don't have the figures yet, but it, it's it's been going pretty well in terms of fans, you know, old school fans liking what we're doing with it. Even after the gumbometer. Yeah. (laughs) The creators liking it and stuff. Uh, Should I explain the gumbometer thing? (laughs) Go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm sure everyone tuned in for this. If anyone is listening. Yeah. Um, So I think in the first issue, I I had not grown up in Gumby at all. I'd heard of it, but Anyway, the first issue, it called for him to whip out his gumbometer. Yeah. And uh, um, I didn't know what that was, so I just invented it. So I have, have like this, this meter reader thing that's vaguely Gumby head shaped. Yeah. And uh, and they liked it, but apparently the gumbometer is a thing. Yeah. In, in the actual series, it's more of a lollipop shape with a kind of temperature gauge on it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so... <laughs> it, de- it detects evil spirits. Uh, I think it measures like ambient temperature, so he doesn't melt or, oh. or becomes solid. Oh, because he's made of clay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't um, know that it was. I mean, I knew he was made of clay. I didn't know if that was like a, if that was an in-universe yes. thing where he's aware of the fact. Yeah, that he's, he's aware of what he is because he interacts with other creatures like humans and things. Hmm. And he can go into books. He has a human, yeah. Somehow. He has a human girlfriend. Like clay things can go right into books. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Gumby doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about it. So, Well, um, in England we had uh, The Amazing Adventures of Morph, which uh-huh. is a lot of little clay character that ran around tabletops and did yeah. various creative things. So we were used to that concept. And uh, that was done by Ardman Animation, or what oh. became Ardman Animation. International Gumby ripoff. We had Mr. Bill. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I think there's a new Arman film coming out soon. Oh, really? But anyway, um, so the I, I did the first three issues, and the uh, second issue is just out. And they sent me a package saying they were pleased with me, and sent and so it's like this. they sent you the head of Gumby. The How head of Gumby. Could they be? <laughs> Bring me the head of Gumby. Um, yeah, so it's a Blu-ray, DVD, Gumby head-shaped package, which uh, you know I could customize with some clay gore on the bottom, I suppose, if I so so inclined. Yeah, yeah, you could hang them from a meter. But, uh, yeah, so um, I'm now the owner of that. Um, That's pretty cool. Forever and ever. Uh, watched uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead season two. Finished up with that. Nice. Have you, have you seen any of that yet? Only the first episode of the first season. I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. binge it. Oh yeah, yeah. When Is I have it available. No, 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 you got that from the library, disc, yeah. right? I might just buy the discs. 
but it's it's binge worthy, isn't it? Like you jump yeah, in. Yeah, because they're all like twenty five minutes long. Yeah. So you can easily do it a couple of nights. And that's all claymation. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, Evil Dead, the first movie, had some claymation. Yeah, I know. Evil Dead, I've uh, you know, I, I did have it on videotape, and I've got it on DVD now. But I don't want to see better versions of it. I wish I could still watch the video version because it's so gnarly and yeah, and rough. You know, I don't want to see it all cleaned up. Yeah. But um, anyway. Uh, also watched uh, some Japanese science fiction because uh, Yoshio Tsuchiya died last oh, weekend. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah, he's a great uh, actor, lots of Kurosawa movies and science fiction movies. He was, he was one of the actors who was, uh, you know, you know they had the, like, the um, uh, studio system, so you had all, sort, all levels of actors would be in all sorts of movies. Mm-hmm. Some of them just, like, oh, what's this silly science fiction thing I have to be in now? Yeah. But some of them, like him, are really into it. And, in fact, he was really into UFOs. He wrote a few books about them. Oh, neat. Um, yeah, so, yeah, really, yeah, really cool a... guy. He, he was pretty old. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Alien Covenant. Oh, my God. How was it? <laughs> have you seen it? I've not seen have it. Have you seen it? Not yet. Not I haven't. I have not. I have not. <laughs> I, I see it's available for bullet, rent yeah. on demand. Yeah, yes. we saw it for free. And uh, that happened. Yeah, that happened. Your face was towards <laughs> it. What do you think? Don't like moving your face around. Uh, well, well, again, you know, it's good looking. <laughs> My jaw literally fell open. I, we both of us, we looked at each other. How stupid are these people? <laughs> If if you were going to send a bunch of colonists to a planet mm-hmm. and uh, you had the choice between these people, the camp counselors from Camp Crystal Lake, yeah, and, you know, my old Boy Scout troop, yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> go with these people. I mean, you know, you know, like uh, Prometheus, like, oh, what's this mysterious murky pool? Yeah. There's something going on in it. I'll put my face in it. Yeah. Yeah, and this one... Uh, obviously the word has gone out that's, the, that's how you explore new planets because <laughs> everybody puts their face in yeah it. it's like there's these mysterious fungi and they're kind of swelling up and stuff oh I put my face right in this stuff and then if it pops and there's stuff floating around I just suck it in yeah you know? uh, uh, what's this weird egg that someone's telling me to put my face into I, I think I'll go ahead and do that yeah are you sure? And Philly goes, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's how Lewis it, and Clark explored in the West. <laughs> they stuck their faces yeah. in it. With their faces. Yeah, it's like a, you know, someone pointing their you know, bow and arrow in your direction. And say, oh, don't worry about it. That's not oh, going to go off. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> um, Lead with your face. So uh, That's good advice for living. Uh, yeah. Right, I'll try and say positive things. Michael Fassbender is really good. He, he's got two roles in it. Yeah. He's playing androids again. He's really good. Um, Catherine Waterston's pretty good. She's like the lead woman. She's the Ripley okay. of this movie. How are the effects? The effects are amazing. Yeah. The aliens look good. Like, there's this, there's this flashy scene. I, I'm sure it's to show it off, but where uh, the uh, uh, Fassbender androids are talking to each other. They're, they're named David and Walter. Mm-hmm. David after the Michelangelo statue. Uh, Walter after Walter Hill. Um, 
they're talking to each other and like touching each other they even kiss at one point and the camera's just like um like arcing between them uh-huh it, you just can't tell that it's yeah yeah it's, it's, no more split scene yeah yeah no more. <laughs> it's like no back no over the shoulder of yeah somebody, somebody who's clearly yeah. not them it's, it's pretty astonishing um yeah so effects are really good uh the, the aliens look pretty good you know there's like slight variations on them um there's lots of reminders of watchmen hmm. there's like the ozymandias quote um there's the miracle weapon idea uh there's even like a uh the guy who played dr manhattan huh uh billy crudup is in it okay um but there's like so many plot holes and stuff um but anyway um yeah uh right i watched a french uh crime thriller called uh police python 357 from 1976 directed by alain corneau uh uh i i like French crime thrillers, I I'm really into them. You know, nice. Rafifi is just incredible. Uh, yeah, this this is one of those really cool. Uh, if you if you like Jean Pierre Melville movies, like this kind of icy cool sort of approach to mm-hmm. professionals doing their stuff. Uh, so this one's got Yves Montan and Simon Signoret and Stefania Sandrelli, and it begins like a kind of giallo with this this guy. You see, this someone working on a weapon. He's got gloves and gloves, stuff, yeah. and then there's like this crime at night, and there's this photographer who happens to stumble on it and take pictures that you know draw yeah. them into this mystery. But it's not at all like a jello after that. Um, there's this amazing stunt at the end, but there's like very little action in it at all. Mm. It's mostly like a kind of noirish setup where um, the uh, detective. Uh, He's investigating this crime where he becomes the number one suspect, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it's uh, you. You know pretty early on that his chief is the guy who actually did it. Oh, okay. It's like the worst possible person to, um, you know, be in charge of you. Um, so yeah, it, that was good stuff. And I watched a Bollywood movie called uh, uh, Dawa e Ishq from twenty fourteen. Directed by Habib Fasal. Um, uh, I watched this because it's got uh, Paraniti Chopra in it, and also Aditya Roy Kapoor. And uh, yeah, we loved it. It's great. Um, kind of a it's a romantic comedy. It was critical for the dowry system. Um, I don't know if you know about that, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was fun. We enjoyed that a lot. Uh, Serial Mum, nineteen ninety four, John Waters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've seen that one. Yeah, it's been a long one. time, but I've seen that one. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> Kathleen Turner, mm-hmm. Sam Waterston, Ricky Lake, Tracy Lords in it at some mm-hmm. point. Um, there's a Bill Cosby joke in it. Oh, really? You know, which has more resonance now than it did back then. It's bit because because like the the kids running this, he's really into like the sickest horror movies he can find, and uh, the, the the adults are like looking down on him, and uh, this adult comes into his shop and she's she's like really into family movies and bill cosby movies oh um yeah it's got a nice douglas Sirk kind of look to it uh watch the uh netflix movie death note how'd you uh, like it uh directed by adam wingard um who did the the recent blair witch mm-hmm. uh i really like his your next movie 
I right. recommend that. Yeah. It, uh, it's not. There's a, it starts off like a home invasion movie, but it becomes like his old dark house. I think we've mentioned it before, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah. that that was really really good. Um, this one I didn't like so much. It worked okay. It kind of it's all right as a kind of like a like whitewash version mm-hmm. footnote to the Japanese franchise. Um, uh, it's got Willem Dafoe as the voice of Ryuk. Um, yeah, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was terrible as a lot of people seem to think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the uh, animation consultant was Randall William Cook, who we mentioned last week in connection with I Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's okay. It's it's not essential, right? And you still got your Japanese one there to watch. Um, also on Netflix, they just got Mad Ron's previews from Hell from 1987. I have seen that. You've seen that one? No. So this is basically uh, um, a, it was a video compilation done in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a whole bunch of trailers from of gore movies from the 60s and 70s. Okay. And uh, interspersed with like ventriloquist zombie humor. Mm-hmm. It suffers from that and the fact that, if I remember right, that it was shot on video. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it still, you know, it still looks like it's on video. It's not like right. a perfectly remastered thing. It's, yeah, it's not trying to be uh, um, anything. So it sounds like it would be ideal for Halloween parties, but I wouldn't recommend it because this gets this shows some really uh, trashy stuff. Yeah. Uh, this shows cruelty to animals. Some of the trailers, oh, yeah. uh, so I wouldn't recommend it for Halloween parties. I I go with something like Terror in the Isles. Yeah, uh, um, Donald Pleasance hosted that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, I remember that one from back in the day. That was pretty good. Yeah, at least I remember it being good. Um, and then saw uh, Amsterdam, which just came out on Blu-ray. How is it? I, I hadn't seen that for a long time. This is from 88. This is like a Dutch movie for, by uh, Dick Maas, who did The Lift. Hmm. Um, so this is a this is more of a crime thriller with uh, slasher elements in it. Okay. Like the, the deaths, like some of them are pretty gruesome, but the actual kills are kind of, you don't really see much of them. You mm-hmm. see the aftermath. Um, so it's not really a, a slash movie, you know, the... the the box are, you know, a bit deceptive, but the the setup is uh, someone is in the canals of Amsterdam and they've got like a diving suit, like frogman gear, mm-hmm. and then they emerge from the canal, kill somebody and go back in, or drag the body in and cut it up. Yeah, and uh, so it's basically about a d- detective who's trying to uh, track it down. Um, so it, it reminds you a lot of different movies. So it's like very slash movies, Jaws. Um, uh, it's got this amazing speedboat chasing it. And uh, so one of the movies it harkens back to is this, there's this one called um, uh, Puppet on a Chain, which is one of those Alistair MacLean movies okay. they used to make a lot of in the 60s and 70s. Uh, and that's got a speedboat chase through the canals. Amsterdam. I think this one's uh, this one's at least as good, uh, but it's pretty impressive stuff, you know, because that's a pretty narrow yeah space to do it in. Um, 
yeah, this is is really entertaining. I, I recommend this one a lot. Um, uh, so, yeah, Papa on a Chain's got some really strange bits in it. Um, it's not that good overall, but like the Speedboat Chaser, directed by Don Sharp, who did some of the Hammer movies, and um, uh, he did some of the Fu Manchu movies. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the, the the Speedboat Chase in that inspired the one in Live and Let Die, where these stunt coordinator is Vic Armstrong and then Vic Armstrong is part of the stunt team on Amsterdam and you can tell some of the Bondian things like they'll have amazing stunts interspersed with comedy okay bits like you know the canal is just suddenly full of like boats with like a uh, uh, a classical orchestra playing or a, yeah things, <laughs> you know so it's they get all these things in but uh, yeah, uh, yeah I, I like that one a lot so that's what I saw Oh, that's a good list. <clears throat> One I forgot to mention last time I'll lead with Fire in the Sky from 1993. I saw this in the movie like theater. Travis, whatever, Bickle? alien. Travis Bickle aliens. <laughs> um, you looking see. at me, Martian? <laughs> let's see. Uh, this one, it, it had, um, let's see, D.B. Sweeney. Yeah. Um, mm. Robert Patrick, yeah. Craig Schaefer, Peter Berg. Henry Thomas, also known as a little boy from E.T., mm. so, you know, a little different kind of alien in this one. Uh, you did actually have an appearance by James Garner. Not a, not a huge role in the movie, but, um, you know, it was a significant one. It's about these guys in, um, it was in Arizona, if I remember right, Snow, uh-huh. Snowflake, Arizona. And they had a really strange experience. And I want to say this happened in 74? I would have to look, but, um, but they, uh, they were out as, uh, just sort of, sort of a contracted bunch of loggers cutting up some trees, felling and cutting up trees. And, uh, on their way off the mountain in a pickup truck, they saw this great red sky ahead of them and it just didn't look like anything they'd ever seen. And I don't know if there's any way they could have driven around it, if there's any avoiding it, but they kind of drove up to where it was happening and, something awful and weird was going on and one of the guys got out to go look and a beam of light got him and he fell and they drove away and turned around and went right back and he was gone now by all accounts and they had no reason to lie this actually happened um it's up to the viewer to sort of discern for themselves like well are there other reasons this could have how could it be explained but when you see this from the point of view of the guy who got abducted, you get to see all the horrors of an abduction scenario, including some different types of probing that he endured and some crawling to uh, escape. And uh, to this day, none of them have, have backed down from their story. They've all said this really happened. So it's really interesting, but uh, it was well acted, well written, uh, I remember not being as excited about it because I think I wanted more flashy, crazy stuff back then Yeah. in 93 when this came out, but, uh, but it just tells the story and it does it really well. So I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, it was a good rewatch for it's me. It's not a bad one. And yeah, something you've heard me say it before. Sometimes I think, Oh, I'm just being a dick. I need to rewatch this. And this was, I'm glad I did on this one. Uh, on Hulu, I got into, um, uh, watching eleven twenty two sixty three, which I know will you watched that one all yeah. the way through, uh, based on the Stephen King uh, book about the guy who 
it. Tra- <laughs> he travels through the portal to go back no, and stop. I'm sorry, Pet Cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the same stuff, right? You just move the parts They're around. They're all interconnected. Yeah, it's it's all in the same universe. Um, this, of course, is about a guy who discovers that his favorite, um, the owner of his favorite diner is dying, and he shows him a portal into 1960. Which, if you go there and hang out long enough, you could hopefully go prevent Kennedy from being assassinated. Yeah. Which, of course, ruins everything. Or yeah. makes everything better. I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> So, uh, James Franco is the lead on this one and he's, he's, uh, the best version of himself as an actor in this one, I would say, you know, cause we've seen him be kind of the goofy stoner guy and some stuff and we've seen him play it straight. And yeah. He, he's capable. So just, you know, do it. Uh, so it was enjoyable. It was, it was good to, you know, watch two or three episodes a night. Yeah. Until you get through all eight of them. Uh, the boss baby, this animated, uh, feature. Is actually, I suspected this from the previews, <clears throat> it's actually really good. You know, you don't expect any of this sort of uh, digital animation to be that fun, you know, but the story really is. I enjoyed it. Uh, it's told from the point of view of the older brother, and this baby just shows up. And it's like, great, you know, what's the, the, everyone's making a fuss about this infant. And he sort of, you know, he does the narration, the voiceover narration, and he explains that, oh, yeah, everybody thought this is what was going on, but I knew. And and what it is is this baby comes from this other sort of world, and he gets dropped into this family on Earth to uh, uh, execute Boss some mission. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's in management. He's, uh, he's there to execute a mission. And so the, the boy sees it from his point of view of being just the jealous older brother mm. when the baby comes along. So the, his creative memory of everything is, is really fun to watch. And the, the baby is pretty funny. It's Alec Baldwin does the voice of the baby and he wears a suit most of the time, which is pretty mm. funny. Um, then for this episode, I rewatched some stuff. Maybe I hadn't visited in a while. Son of Frankenstein. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman and Dracula meets the Wolfman. Dracula meets Frankenstein. They all meet each other. uh, (laughs) Evan and Costello meet. Yeah. Evan and Costello meet the monsters, right? Um, I think now that I've got all the, uh, those, those universal series, the legacy ones. Yeah. I'm going to uh, just do a whole series of them for October. That's a good idea. So that covers what I've watched. Um, there's there's plenty of course to talk about. So this episode, the focus of it really is uh, what what sort of um, changed us, what sort of uh, made us into horror fans, and uh, and so these foundations that were built on uh, these movies, and and then what what came along and kind of shook that up and changed it. The game changer kind of movies. So uh, who wants to start? Uh, Will, you, you're you're most recent with what you've watched, I would think. Yeah, I just watched, I mean, what brought it up earlier, so. Yeah. That was the first thing I watched, and then I think I watched Them and uh, Thing from Another World, early ones I remember. Uh, Gremlins was probably the first one I saw on the big screen. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, which was both terrifying and funny. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a best of both worlds kind of movie. Yeah. 
So how did you feel about your rewatch of Horror of Dracula? I liked it. Um, I don't remember much about it. I mean, it, since I saw it when I was three, that's a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, I'd seen it since then. Right. But I have no memory. You know, like I said, I don't know if that's really the first one I watched or not, but uh, <clears throat> it was available to watch, so... I rewatched it and didn't turn my face away. <laughs> it was that one or one a lot like it. Yeah. So did, did you love Gremlins? Oh, I loved Gremlins, even though it gave me nightmares. Really? Yeah. I saw Gremlins when I was about seven, I guess. Um, it's got yeah. a good malicious edge to it, isn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I remember uh, Gremlins being on the cover of, like, entertainment weekly or something right or not entertainment weekly i mean uh what is that national enquirer oh really one of those local one of those uh national tabloids yeah and for some reason i had heard a rumor at school that it was a um exact remake of et (laughs) i don't know if that's because Steven Spielberg was involved or something, but I remember telling my mom, like, I don't want to see Gremlins because I already saw E.T. And why would I want to watch the same movie again? So I think I went to Gremlins expecting it. I think I may have read an article in the National Enquirer at my grandparents' house that was talked about probably, it probably contrasted E.T. with Gremlins. And how, you know, Steven Spielberg, oh, now he has these evil things. But <laughs> somehow my young mind had made it into it was an exact remake. That's great. And they were just going to reshoot it with different monsters. It's funny when you get those, um, you get these accounts from magazines and, uh, and television. And you never know what to believe till you see it for yourself. Yeah. I remember some magazine articles and then you see the movie of whatever they were talking about. And you're like, why did you waste the magazine article on this terrible movie? Mm-hmm. I've run into that a few times. It's like, what? You just needed filler. Didn't you? Yep. It seems like what goes on sometimes with journalism. So, um, so you got started pretty early. Yeah. Did, did you have the, other than your Dracula crucifix incident, did you really have a, uh, parents concerned about or your own concerns about nightmares uh no i remember having nightmares from gremlins and i remember having nightmares from alien which i saw in about Mm. third grade and we tuned in when it was uh john hurt's last meal oh yeah and uh which was perfect timing Mm -hmm. you know we had no idea it was just on broadcast television no idea what it was and uh I remember being freaked out by it, but also loving it. <laughs> and then uh, after that, I don't know, I watched a lot of 80s slasher movies. And I remember all the Friday the 13ths and Nightmare on Elm Streets. And and these came available to you because of your your friend's mom being uh, in charge of a, a video store. Video store. Yeah. So you pretty much had free reign except for the few restricted titles. There were a few that, like Halloween, she didn't want us to watch. And uh, whatever I mentioned last time, there were a couple that... Oh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was another one that we weren't supposed to watch. We did, (laughs) 
Which, it never seemed to make any sense. Like, why was one worse than the other, you know? My dad said I shouldn't watch Peeping Tom. Peeping Tom. Oh, okay. really? And and because, you know, I, I believe that if, if you know, if uh, I, I was so against government telling me what not to see. Yeah. It should be left to, uh, you know, the parents. Uh-huh. So if a parent says, don't watch it. You did I stuck with that. Oh, okay. So eventually, it, you know... Uh, years down the road, I said, "Can I watch it?" And then he looked, and then he said, "Oh yeah, you've probably seen worse than that already." And <laughs> <laughs> but you know that if you've seen that, right? I have, yeah. Yeah. So this this is a, a movie which involves someone filming people that as he's killing them, yeah, photographing them. Mm-hmm. It's very sick. Yeah. And this came out the same year as Psycho, didn't it? Yeah, something like that. Something was that Godard? 60, 60. No, that was the. Uh, See, one of the things that made it even more shocking was that this was done by the people who'd made like these great British, you know, movies that all the family would go to see. Mm-hmm. Powell and Pressburger. Okay. Um, and uh, then they they came out with this. But if, if you if you if you uh, if you go back through their older films, you can see threads, things they were interested in. Yeah. And, and how. Uh, how looking is used. Uh, I mean, you go back to like Black Narcissus. That's a pretty yeah intense uh, psycho movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I I stuck by that. I didn't see that for years. Ah. Oh. So what, what was the what was the game changer for you? Game changer. Uh... Yeah. What shook it all up and showed you that uh, there's a new thing? Uh I don't know. I kind of fallen out of horror films until probably like, I don't know. The Blair Witch was a pretty big game changer. Um, you're more interested in girls or something. Yeah, I mean, I still watch horror films, but I just kind of branched out to everything. I okay. watched whatever I could get my hands on. Whereas, for a long time, that was you know, as a kid, horror and action. The mm-hmm. bloodier, the better was <laughs> what we stuck to. You know. Uh, uh, I remember it's not a horror film, but uh, they would put HBO on TV for free for like a weekend mm-hmm. every year or every couple of years. Uh, it's kind of a promotion to get yeah, you to subscribe. Yeah. yeah, and everybody in school got to watch Terminator. Even oh yeah, none of us were old enough to watch Terminator. This would have been about fourth grade, third or fourth grade, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know where I was going with that, but there it is. So you got back into horror movies. So, yeah, Blair yeah, stuff. Blair Witch kind of got me back into horror movies. But then there were no really good horror movies at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I said, I, you know, I hadn't seen anything like it until Suspiria, yes. which you showed me. It was uh, <clears throat> just beautiful looking. And, oh, man, you guys got to get the... 4k restoration just so yeah. gorgeous that's definitely on the on the list oh yeah i can't pre-order it yet yeah yeah um yeah i was kind of surprised that they're showing it but mm-hmm. it's not up for pre-order yet yeah. so but uh looked fantastic there were people watching it who'd never seen suspiria before yes that's my game changer too yeah that movie was just 
something else. It's one of mine as well. Like I look at it in different phases in life. That was during college. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I had I had a few favorites that were, you know, slightly older movies, you know, a few years at least. And I would have a copy of each of those. But then uh, my friend Paul Larson came along with, uh, yeah, have you seen Argento's movies? And I'm like, I've heard of this guy like in Fangoria, but I've never seen any of his stuff. And he's like, oh, he either told me that the local video place had a couple of them or he had taped copies of them. I don't remember how it went. I want to say that he had them. And um, I got into uh, Argento and it was a deep dive. I had to watch Mm -hmm. everything I could get my hands on. So that was definitely one for me. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's uh, anyone anyone who got introduced to Argento via Suspiria, you know, it makes a couple of his other movies a little problematic to backtrack to because you hold it to that standard, uh, which I did. And it was but I still enjoyed the other ones as well. Mm. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it really impressed me that because uh, we showed this uh, uh, Halloween thing at college where we did an all nighter and. So the first one we did was pretty standard. It was like Halloween 2. Mm-hmm. And it was like a mixed audience. So it's men and women. And uh, I was kind of worried about Suspiria because it's it's all women yeah. in the movie. So all the horrible stuff happens to them. And, Except the uh, blind guy. Yeah. <laughs> and the poor um, child gets bitten by a dog. So I was, I was worried I'd empty the room for yeah. at least half the people there. But the, the women were the people who really loved it. Mm-hmm. because of the, the look of it and yeah this and, turned gene into a huge argento fan and and because it was all about female fear and yeah so on i'd say another big game changer i saw was uh although maybe not strictly a horror film but definitely full of horrible things eraser head mm-hmm. oh yeah which uh i saw when i was 11 and have not rewatched since then cuz i <laughs> I like the idea of my memory of it more than than rewatching it, even though I've read numerous books about it and I feel like I've seen it since then, but Yeah. Uh that was a real change that movies didn't have to be logical or <laughs> well, at that anything. same party we had to raise our head on we put that one in the early hours of the morning. Oh, nice. When most people were like falling asleep. Yeah. And then the next day, people were saying, I had this weird dream. There's this crying baby. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was no dream. That was David Lynch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, that dog is all wound up. So, um, Julian, what were your kind of uh, the ones that, that built the foundation of your horror fandom? Uh, well, so like King Kong, as mentioned. Right, just that was a good one. Got yeah. to see it when I was like five-ish, and like soon after we were able to get a TV. So yeah, watched that one and just yeah, incredible. I remember that one being yeah amazing. Yeah, Godzilla so, films, same thing. Was just yeah, I I had seen pictures of Godzilla films and I wasn't able to see them for a long, long time. Just yeah, heard about them. That was another one that like my lucky schoolmates would see them. Uh, and uh, then tell me gory versions of the that were real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they did this particularly gory version of the end of King Kong versus Godzilla. Oh man! <laughs> but um, and then your disappointment when none of it was true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I was into more like fantastical stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so anything with a monster in it, anything with a flying saucer in it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was quite a, a long time when I was a child where I couldn't watch anything with a with people wearing masks. Yeah. Uh, because like I can't, I have no conscious memory of it. But when I was when I was really small, I was attacked by some dude who was wearing a monster mask, and uh, so I got phobia of masks. My parents had a like a, a African mask that mm-hmm. was hung up over the stairs. I refused to walk under it, so they had to take that down and put that away. Wow! Wow! Couldn't watch Doctor Who. Couldn't watch Star Trek episodes if it had a gorn in it or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I just like go into shivering fits and so my dad got me um uh, these library books about special effects oh and that just so, oh that's how it's done neat <laughs> uh and so i got, just got fascinated by them yeah so i wanted to see it all uh so yeah anything monsters it so at the earth's core i went to see that was great so many monsters mm-hmm. um yeah, love love that stuff. And then they had all those like science fiction double bills, so they had them, and uh, you know, Davis to Steel and Incredible oh, that Shrinking was another Man great and stuff one. like that. But them had the had the most scary scenes in it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, especially that, that that sympathetic cop who's in it mm-hmm. uh, all through the movie. Uh, yeah, it's really scary stuff. Any of the giant bug movies that were done well, uh, definitely. Like were terrifying to kids. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the teens and the young adults were really that moved by it, other than just the fun of shrieking at a movie. But yeah. little kids would take it a little more seriously. Oh yeah, it's like, oh, what, what, what are we gonna do when this happens? <laughs> it, yeah. It's not even really if. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is clearly gonna happen. I remember the reports of the killer bees coming. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh man, that yeah. was terrifying because you were certain they were the size of an automobile or something. <laughs> oh yeah, they were just. I've st- seen movies. I. <laughs> they were gonna sting you dead. Uh huh. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of hype they sold us back in the day that never came true. Right. Yeah, we. I mean, on one hand, we had Muhammad Ali and Evil Knievel, and on the other hand, we had like. Serial killers and killer bees. Killer bees and acid rain. Acid rain, too. That was another one. Oh, man. It's dissolving them. Statues over in Europe. Yeah. Oh, that, that was a big problem in Europe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It is a real problem, but I think they've managed to clear some of it up or at least put a nice protective coating on the statues. <laughs> you're never going to make people quit misbehaving, but you can at least protect your statues. So what else, Julian? Um, so before I saw, like, straight up horror movies, uh, I saw like horror comedies. Mm-hmm. So um, Abbott and Costello, the time of their lives, where uh, they get the the ghosts that come out of a well. Oh, okay. It's like the ghost from the Civil War or something. Ah. Uh, that was an early one. Carry on screaming. I What's still love that? that one. It, you know the Carry On series? I don't think I do. Yeah, I don't know. So they started in the the fifties. Uh, so it was a, it was a comedy troupe. So you'd have like actors who go from movie to movie and, mm-hmm. and they just got um you probably don't know these people but kenneth williams and jim dale will be regulars and uh this one's got vanilla fielding in it, in it as a kind of vampire character um but anyway they uh the movies would always be carry on something yeah it'd be a mickey take of some movie genre or, oh okay so, um so carry on screaming was the horror one and it, it's a it's a good takeoff on like Hammer horror 
sort of things. Um, it's got some good creatures in it. Uh, Fenella Fielding is just awesome. Um, Kenneth Williams has some great lines in it. But uh, yeah, that's such fun. I still like that one. Uh, first horror movie, monster movie I saw at the cinema was Jaws. They had a reissue of it. Yeah. After, you know, when Spielberg became like God. Yeah. <laughs> Close Encounters and right. E.T. and stuff are coming out. So they reissued Jaws. He could do no wrong. And uh, yeah, he was just so amazing. And, yeah. And uh, Jaws is still so brilliant. Um, yes. Yeah, and it's uh, such, such a such a well-directed movie. So that was, that was the first one I saw theatrically, and it has the amazing shock scares and the, uh, the fear of the unknown. And uh, yeah, so that was a good one to start off with. Yes. Um, and the the other experience of horror movies before I could see like full-on horror movies were, were uh, the trailers they'd have on TV. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, uh, it's, it's like uh, The Fog, I remember that one. It'd just be that piano music. And then like just the, the dark coastline, the fog rolling in. Yeah. Um, so by this time, uh, so, so, with, so, so with trailers, you just mind, your mind goes crazy. You, you, yeah. you get this idea of a movie which is way more scary than what the actual mm-hmm. thing is. And you fill in a lot of blanks. Yeah, yeah especially when this, this whole genre was like something I couldn't see. And uh, so, so the fog. I'd read the James Herbert novel. Do you do you know James Herbert? No. So I think he, I do. He um. Uh, there's been a few not very good movies based directly on his novels. There's one based on the rats called Deadly Eyes. There's one based on the Survivor called Soul Survivor, which just came out on Blu-ray. Um, but yeah, most of these haven't been filmed. Um. But he did the, one of his early novels was The Fog. By this time, he was really popular. Like every every book he did was mm-hmm. a bestseller, and he was also trained as a in advertising graphic design. So he designed his covers; so they were a good package. Oh, nice! And this really kicked off horror novel boom. Uh, so, like, uh, just before Stephen King hit, right? So, like, uh, you you could go into bookshops and there'd be like a huge section of horror novels uh so his 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 first one was the rats and uh and that that he did like four rats books um but these these are like uh um there's some uh, very nasty violence in these stories <laughs> and uh the the daily mail which is like this right-wing tabloid labeled them book nasties um so Ten years down the line, you got video when video nasty. hit, they applied, reapplied the label, and that became video nasties. Um, so yeah, he's a very very popular author. He, he died a couple of years ago. Um, so he done one called The Fog, which uh, I read again a few years ago. It's unfilmable. Yeah, and it gets more unfilmable every year. You, you just couldn't do it. Uh, you'd have it, it would have to take a lot of money, and there's just scenes in it that you just wouldn't be allowed to do. Um, it's uh, it's about this um, uh, like a military weapon, which is buried, but then there's a there's an accident and it leaks out, and it just turns people nuts and and uh, they just go k- kill crazy. 
but uh, yeah, there's, there's scenes in it you just can't, you you couldn't film. Um, so I thought it's kind of it was it was a movie of that. Uh huh. And uh, I, uh, but set in America or something. I thought, oh my god, this must be terrifying. And it, it's all right, you know. I I, I yeah. like the movie a lot, but uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, when I saw it years later, it's like, huh, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, you know. So, you know, I, I lo- love the movie. It was, yeah. it was mildly creepy, but yeah, I re- you know, I, I realized you know, it, was, it was something else. But uh, yeah, the um, so one of the uh, uh, so I, I saw some of the I guess the Val Luton movies would be the first one I saw. Yeah, uh, and then uh, as a teenager, I saw uh, Dawn of the Dead, and that was just. That shook it all up. Awesome, yeah. Yeah. So you went from everything you knew and thought it couldn't go beyond that, and then you saw that one. Yeah. The Dawn of the Dead, that was, a, that was another one I was I went into with a wrong impression. <laughs> oh, yeah? What did you think? Um, because uh, it was called Zombie. It was advertised oh, okay. as Zombie, and it was going to play at the... Um, they were showing it at the Film Society at school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was just, uh, all it said was zombie. So I thought it was the Lucio Fulci oh, okay. movie. And uh, so went in expecting that, and then it was this. And, but, phew. Yeah. <laughs> just loved it, yeah. Yeah, Dawn of the Dead. Fantastic when you first see that movie. Yeah. Just unbelievable. Yeah, it gave me nightmares for years and years and years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say for um, getting started at a very young age, you know, uh, people argue that this desensitizes kids. And I don't know. I think it more acclimates kids to like, you're going to end up liking this stuff or not liking it. At least I remember being drawn to all this stuff. Yeah. Was, you know. It wasn't like someone shoved you in front of a TV. But you wanted to see it. Yeah, if you were flipping through some old magazines and you saw some pictures of King Kong and Godzilla, some stuff of Planet of the Apes, yeah, I would be drawn to that just from a still photo. I would, mm-hmm. I would want yeah. to see that thing, whatever that thing is. Yeah. It could be some flying saucers and Martians. It could be whatever. I would want to see that mm-hmm. from the earliest age. So um, one of my earliest memories, it had to have been kindergarten or first grade, uh, maybe even a little earlier was seeing King Kong and that one immediately 33 or 1976 uh, 33 because 76 hadn't happened yet at this point okay. in my life uh, being older as I am it's kind of nice that uh, you know I I didn't have I didn't have the um, the burden of uh, of nifty things like cable TV like everything had to be gotten more organically than that yeah like it was gonna have to get broadcast which you know that's that's being paid for with advertisers, which yeah. you don't know that when you're a kid, but uh, what's the broad appeal of this thing that they're going to put on the TV? Well, Westerns back in those days, you can, yeah, you could bet on that. Just put lots of Westerns on. Everything will be fine. But uh, it turns out that there was enough of a market, at least where I lived in, in the greater Chicago area. There was a good enough market for horror and sci-fi that we got plenty of it. You had Sven We did have Sven the original Sven um, which was Jerry G. Bishop. And the guy we have now is Rich Coase or Rich Cause. I think he pronounces it Coase. Um, anyway, uh, the original Sven we had. Uh, and he was more of a 
um, hippie type character. He had long hair and a headband and uh, the aviator Did he have glasses. Like glasses with one lens, not tail? I think he did, yeah. There was something with the glasses anyway. But he would sometimes, you know, strum the guitar. But uh, he was all about the, the rubber chickens and all the stuff that uh, son of Sven Gulli, who now is just known as Sven Gulli, uh, had taken on a lot of that. And he's got more of the Undertaker look, you know, the, the, the guy we know now on MeTV. He's gotten the top hat and the black jacket. And, you know, he's got the, the painted on uh, sideburns or cheekbones or whatever. But uh, the original Sven Gulli, my older brother and I used to watch that one. And just we thought it was the funniest thing. And uh, the big one for us, of course, was um, back in the early 70s was Creature Features on um, Saturday night. And uh, that ended up being... And my brother was just in town last weekend, so I asked him what he remembered being the first one that kind of scared him. And he said it was Creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm-hmm. And for me, it would have been one of the Frankenstein um, and or Wolfman movies. So with that in mind, I did a rewatch, like I said, of Frankenstein meets the Wolfman and uh, Son of Frankenstein. I watched a few of these things. Uh, but they did rely heavily on... Um, the universal horror movies for creature features. It was kind of late on a Saturday night. So sometimes you didn't make it to the end of the movie without falling asleep. (laughs) But uh, Saturday night would always be like pizza night. Probably not every week, but uh, as you, as your mind remembers that it was every week, but it was Mm. maybe it was once or twice a month, but, but it was definitely creature features every Saturday night. So would these be like double bills or just one movie? Um, There was really only room for one movie at that hour. And I think the Saturday afternoon ones, maybe they did put two back to back. But uh, it was always just the one uh, in in the TV guide and and the local version of the TV guide and maybe some ads in the local paper next to the um, next to the movie ads, they would have television listings. You'd know what the feature that week was going to be. So it wasn't really a surprise unless you didn't look in any of those publications. So there'd be a, like a quarter page ad saying this week on creature features, a you know, creature from the black lagoon or what have you. And uh, so uh, of course the intro theme was uh, the one that um, experiment and terror, which uh, the version of it we use is, is uh, by the moon rays, but that was, uh, that was really cool. They had a montage of all of these universal studios. Apparently they bought the package Mm -hmm. and uh, they had like little montage of all of this creeping and, and uh, stalking going on because you had um, Renfield as he's going completely mad and he's (laughs) crawling toward the camera. Uh, You know, there's that dude in the foreground and, You've got that one. You've got the wolf man with his feet stalking through the fog. Mm. Uh, you've got Bela Lugosi sort of grimacing with the weird lighting. And it was all black and white. Yeah. And our TV was black and white, so it didn't matter. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't have mattered, I should say. But <laughs> but it, it, was a, it was a really great... Uh, it was a really great intro, and uh, it, it set the mood. And sometimes it would falsely set the mood if it wasn't as good a picture. <laughs> or if it was a picture with a really slow start. Okay. But something like Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, that I chose to rewatch that one because it drops you right into the action. Like when you're a kid, you don't want to watch a bunch of stupid grown-ups talking about a bunch of boring grown-up stuff about somebody trying to buy some property and blah blah blah. <laughs> you want to see some monsters or some creepy dudes doing some creepy stuff and this is a couple of grave robbers. 
climbing into a mausoleum. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna try and steal some rings from uh, uh, Larry Talbot. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what do they bury a bunch of weeds instead of a guy? Nope, that's Wolfbane. <laughs> you know, and they move that out of the way, and the shaft of moonlight comes in, and all of a sudden he's the Wolfman, mm. and it's on. <laughs> like the dull moments don't come until much later. Right. And then they're not even that long before there's more Wolfmanning going on. So a lot of wolfing around and. And then, uh, hey, you know, we could we could dig up Frankenstein, the monster. Um, anyway, so that was uh, a sort of double bill. Yeah, it kind of is. It's like <laughs> it's it's like uh, from dusk till dawn. Halfway through the movie, it changes into something else. So, anyway, Sven Gulli was um, it was it was a a good show, but Creature Features was definitely the better show because they had bought the Universal package, and. Um, and so you had all that stuff weekly. And, and sometimes it was the Invisible Man, which wasn't as great as a Wolfman, but it, at least it was something crazy and fun going on with really great special effects. Uh, so um, let's see. Well, some of the other stuff I wanted to talk about. Um, things that things that kind of uh, stood out other than um, just King Kong, Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Saw that pretty yeah. young. They blew it up. The <laughs> bastards. <laughs> they blew it. The maniacs. They they did it. Uh, that kind of blows your mind when you're a little kid. Oh, yeah. Because you maybe started to hear about, you know, the dangers of the bomb. Uh-huh. And then you see that, oh, my God, these astronauts. It's not just a crazy planet full of apes. It's the Earth. It's the Earth. And they blew it up. Uh, so that... That definitely did something, I think, to my little mind. And apparently I got over it and just wanted more Planet of the Apes because I wanted the action figures. I got a bunch of them for Christmas one year. And uh, the sequels were coming out, the cartoon, the attempt at a TV series. Just bring on the apes. I want more apes. That's all I wanted was robots, skeletons, and apes. (laughs) Yeah. You know, maybe some Martians. But uh, you know, definitely vampires and werewolves. That was that was like a a milestone because uh, I remember that, that came on TV and I was allowed to watch it and my little brother wasn't. Yeah. And he was dragged off, literally kicking and screaming. <laughs> he was giving my dad a few bruises. Oh man. Yeah, he had to be dragged out of the room, just wailing about it. <laughs> oh, Piers, <laughs> poor child. <laughs> He's a surgeon now. Oh yeah, he's he's fantastic. <laughs> Maybe he wouldn't have been. Maybe he would have just been doing a podcast instead. Yeah, he'd be a loser like me. <laughs> well, I was thinking me, but uh... <laughs> it's all planted to the apes' fault. Yeah. If only... oh yeah, that was that was everywhere. I mean, the, the toy shops. Oh god, yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah, it was. You know, Planet of the Apes into. Evil Knievel and Muhammad Ali, you know, the, the fandom for these things was not small. Yeah, I, I should try and get all the comics I could get. Now, we mentioned before um, Psycho. And like I said, I saw that mm. probably younger than I should have. I don't know what difference it would have made. I don't think I would have been a surgeon. Yeah. But uh, um, the abominable Dr. Fibes, which I didn't know as a kid how recent that was because I thought of of anything um, 
with Vincent Price as being an older movie because mm-hmm. of The Fly. Mm. So to me, it felt like, oh, it must be older. Uh, everything at once felt old, but also contemporary. It's like, oh, yeah, they just invented Like when your parents would tell you something like, oh, yeah, that actor died back in the 50s mm. or 60s. Yeah, or I, I, I had no context for when movies were made. I couldn't imagine. Yeah, it didn't. It, you didn't really spend a lot of time thinking yeah, like, about like it. Like James Bond movies seem to come out of this magical portal wish fulfillment (laughs) realm (laughs) if you were just plopped onto your yeah i just couldn't imagine a time when these were actually made by humans yeah they've just always been there so yeah the uh, dr fibes movies um my brother and i enjoyed those i remember Mm. quite well um have you seen those no i've never seen those oh Oh, i'll lend them to you all right dr fibes okay put that on the list yeah yeah, that's some that's some great Vincent Price work right there. Yeah, um, and I would say a couple of them that that kind of shook things up a little bit earlier on, Westworld, mm-hmm. because the unstoppable bad guy. Yep. This kind of laid the groundwork for some of the unstoppable slashers later on. And Terminator. And Terminator, yes, yeah, because Yul Brynner was the Terminator before mm-hmm. there was a Terminator. So uh, the Man in Black, he was something else, man. And uh, that was the one that would get into my imagination was something that couldn't be stopped yeah. that, that didn't need to sleep, didn't need to eat and would keep coming after you. That was, that, that was really kind yeah, of a mind blowing idea. I think I'd seen Magnificent Seven by that point and there he's a man in black yeah. and suddenly in Westworld, he's, he's the gunslinger man in black, but he's out to get you. Yeah. Someone that good at killing people is actually gets you. Yeah. It's pretty scary. Yeah. And he's, he's a super accurate shot and uh, faster than you. And he doesn't need to stop. Hmm. So that one, that was like the earliest game changer I could think of other than, I mean, everything was just one thing after another up to a certain point. Yeah. But then Trilogy of Terror mm-hmm. was really something else. That, that was another thing I saw a trailer for years before <laughs> I could see it. And the trailer, all I remember from it is like the door whacking open and there's someone in a mask that was it i was done <laughs> that was scary yeah i think that was the first evil doll movie outside of and it bears mentioning the twilight zone series was always kind of there you know you'd, you'd run across that it would have a run somewhere and then you wouldn't see it for a while mm. it would be in syndication for a while yeah. well um you'd have some ventriloquist dummies there but they didn't get up and run around and do stuff that you ever saw on screen <laughs> But the little Zuni uh, warrior doll, man, that was that was some scary stuff when you were a kid. Yeah, still scary. Now, did you guys experience the thing of stuff by reputation only? And you, I mean, there were probably some because of availability for Julian. But well, yeah, like Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that and Jaws because I wasn't old enough to see Jaws. Uh, those two were reputation only for years before I finally got to see them. Yeah. I didn't see it when it first came out, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's the, the reissue. Can you remember any of those, Will? Uh, Some or or something you saw the trailer to that never became available to you, like the mm. terrifying Exorcist ripoff Beyond the Door. No, Beyond the Door. They had a terrifying trailer, at least mm-hmm. when I was yeah, eleven that. or twelve or yeah. wh- whatever age I was. That's on uh, Mad Ron's previews. Is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a scary preview, but I don't know if it, if the movie was any and good. The movie at all. holds up at all. I don't think I ever saw it. 
I've been told it's an Exorcist ripoff. Oh yeah, or, yeah. They were cashing in on you know the mania. There's loads of those. Yeah. yeah. Anything satanic or possession oriented was always like off limits. Well, not off limits at all, but it was just always. I think the original Exorcist was hard to get for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It was one that was kind of, I remember that. I remember Halloween was one that we were told not to watch, and Halloween had a big reputation of being too scary to watch. Um, the Omen was, that was the not Omen, one that, yeah. that school friends would like. Yeah, yeah, The Omen was one that people. There, there's this guy, who, he, he told me what the plot of The Omen was. Mm-hmm. And I wish they filmed that plot because it was damn good. Yeah. <laughs> the schoolmates made up stories. It was, it was good scenes in that. It wasn't gory. It was, it was really good. I man, still remember get, that. Get those kids into a think tank, man. Yeah. It's like, just get them all in one room. Yeah, it's like house. You know, get your kid to write the screenplay. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, reputation only, or the stuff that was off limits for some reason or another. Like we, were, we were never told, oh, you can't see that because it's got, you know, demons or spirits mm-hmm. or devils in it or any of that. It's possession. We were never told we couldn't see that stuff. Um, yeah. Apparently, we weren't very devout Catholics. <laughs> As a matter of fact, we must have been pretty bad at it. But, uh, but we got, uh, we eventually got the broadcast version of The Exorcist. And um, for anyone who doesn't know, your mother knits socks in hell or something like that. Uh, it's it's really really bad substitution swearing for the um, Regan character. Oh yeah. Oh, so, she, so she says your mother knits socks in hell or something to that effect. So yeah. Oh, it's just it's awful. It's just <laughs> I can't believe you never heard of that. It's terrible. Oh, I want to see that now. Yeah, uh, I'm sure there's a like a little YouTube montage, so you don't have to. Oh, they've got to put that out on the on the next time they reissue it. <laughs> yeah. Like, forget the director's cut. I want to see the your mother yeah. knit socks in hell. Yeah. Cut. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. The thing, the thing, uh, when the watersheds for me was like uh, when I was being eased into horror movies on BBC Two on Saturday nights when they did a horror season, it would be a double bill. The first one would be black and white, and uh, that would go out pretty late for me, but I could stay up and watch the black and white one. Then it was followed by color ones, who'd be like Hammer or Tigon or mm-hmm. Amicus, and uh, couldn't see those for years. Wasn't, wasn't yeah. allowed to. You were gonna be you were gonna be seeing that vivid red blood. Yeah. The Kensington yeah, Gore. So when they got gory, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't allowed to see those. So the um so to get to the game changer ones for me, the the one and these are gonna be out of order because I saw the shining before I saw Halloween, mm-hmm. even though Halloween came out two years earlier. So by reputation only, uh the other one I almost forgot to mention was Amityville Horror. Oh, yeah. You saw the preview. You mm-hmm. heard from like the old, older teenagers mm-hmm. on the on the school bus, or, or who were the older siblings of your friends, mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, it's all true. Yeah, they saw it, and it's all true. Yeah. On top of that, you could read the book, but it's like I'm not gonna read that book. There's a movie out there. I'd rather mm-hmm. see it, uh, but that wasn't gonna happen. Maybe it'll come to television. Well, maybe to cable, but not for a couple of years. So, th- so th- that was by reputation only, but. Um, and I love to talk about this one because my dad grew up on the Universal Studios movies and knew that you know, horror movies aren't 
you know, they're not going to give you nightmares. They're not harmful. They'll, they'll scare you a little. You'll have a little trouble going to sleep, but you'll be fine. So he grew up on, you know, the Frankenstein and Wolfman movies and Dracula and whatnot. Some flying saucer stuff came along when he was probably a teen or whatever. Um, we all knew that we liked Jack Nicholson from what we saw him in before. And te- like they, one flew over the cuckoo's nest yes. had been on television. Okay. Oh, that actor is really kind of cool. He was in uh, uh, easy rider. Well, the preview for uh, the shining came out. Mm. It was, you know, we very rarely went out to the movies, maybe once a year, you know, when you got four kids that you got to pay for and buy them yeah. all popcorn. Dad took the whole damn family to the shining. <laughs> so, <sighs> You know, that, that totally blows away mom letting me watch Psycho when I was eight or nine years old. <laughs> so so here I was, uh, God, I don't know how old I was, uh, 13 or 14. I got to see The Shining in the movie theater. Yeah. My little brother, yeah, he was like seven, six or seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wasn't ready for The Shining. And my little sister, uh, I don't think she absorbed as much of it. Maybe she nodded off. I don't know. She didn't seem too affected by it. My younger brother, though, he was pretty freaked out. Yeah. My older brother and I thought it was great, and we wanted to see it again. Yeah, that was another one I just saw the trailer for. for yeah, it was a good trailer. I didn't see the movie for years and years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, was, I managed to, I think I read the novel long before I saw the movie. It was... But, but yeah, like I remember from the trailer, you got this like father figure with an axe. Yeah. Smashing in a door. I didn't, I didn't know what it was about. It's yeah. just this vague kind of the shining was some kind of supernatural thing that yeah. made adults crazy or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was scary. What's weird is my um my aunt Lois had mentioned the mo- uh, mentioned the book when I was a little kid. And I heard her say, "Oh yeah, the shining," and it was the silver cover with the boy with no face on the front of it i don't yeah. know if you've ever seen that one yeah, like, the one we had was the the yellow cover with the the movie poster the posterized eyes yeah yeah the logo yeah that was from the movie poster okay. the earlier one from the early 70s um lois had that one it was um it was just like a just a jawline and a hairdo and a blank mm-hmm. face and it was the shining and uh, she was talking about how it was about this big spooky hotel that was haunted and a little boy who could read minds and the father was going crazy. And just those few things she said really kind of got into my head when I was little. And I, me- I remember not being able, I didn't want to go to sleep after hearing about that. <laughs> and that wasn't really much to go on to be freaked out by it. Yeah. And I was fairly not affected by stuff back then. But that one kind of got my imagination for a moment. So later on, you know, oh, I remember hearing about that. Lois read that book and here it is. It's a movie. And everyone kind of started to know who Stephen King was at that point in time. And uh, the, so that was a game changer. There was nothing I had ever seen that was like it. It went beyond. And of course, you don't know why it looks different to you when you're a kid. But that one point perspective that Kubrick does so well mm-hmm. and the way he builds just the characters, uh, um, dreadful situations, it, it's pretty amazing. And, and so uh, that was a big one. And then probably a, a year or two, two or three years later, I finally got to see Halloween at a friend's house on cable. And, uh, and that one was immediately my new favorite. And, um, of course, not as good, but also along those lines, you got your, your other slashers, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, and uh, those were easier to get and 
they were not made with the same sincerity that Halloween was made, mm. but they were, uh, for whatever reason, kind of put on the same level, but you'd enjoy them just the same. Yeah. I, at least I back then I enjoyed them. could, could say like, I knew this one was different mm. than those. Yeah. And I liked it better, you know, Halloween better, but, uh, then, um, not to get too long and boring about it, but the next game changers that came along were like the kind of the flashier, um, more humorous movies of the mid eighties, which of course, um, evil dead two. Mm-hmm. I liked evil dead, but evil dead two and reanimator were the ones that came along that were like, it can be really glossy, really garish, um, looking stuff. And, over-the-top violence and all kinds of this weirdness and some nudity and everything else thrown in there. Um, you know, the impossible stuff is happening, and it's just a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. So those were the ones that came along next. And then, of course, after that, not necessarily horror, but David Lynch and other um, other directors who came along and really wanted to do something innovative was you know, what, what really moved it forward and sort of gives you the, uh, the intro into independent cinema, if that's what you got into next, which I Yeah. Didn't. You kind of see those, those, and then you see Cronenberg. And yeah. Yeah. Some of the stuff was maybe not distributed as well because we had gone from living in the greater Chicago area to living in Northern Idaho, um, or North Idaho, as they say. Uh, it's really a challenge to, um, to get your entertainment you know, brought to your face, you know, when, when, you, when you're somewhere that's a little bit off the path, at least back in the 80s. Yeah. In the 80s, it was like, if there was not some arm of distribution that reached you, then you had to kind of figure it out for yourself. Yeah. It's like, do you have to go to the next bigger town and, you know, go see the movie there, for example? Yeah. Normally, telecopters, we got to... We got an airplane this time. As a helicopter. Is it a helicopter? helicopter, yeah. Uh, I guess it's these noise-canceling headphones. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So we had a dog earlier. We got a helicopter. We got a crying ethereal baby here. <laughs> or a cat. A cat's atoms scattered across <laughs> space. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw Halloween. Off. It, just, it, it wasn't scary. It felt cozy. Yeah. It's that kind of, um, <laughs> you know, what's it called? You feel nostalgia, but it's for something you never experienced. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is like for the Halloween I wish we had in England. Yeah. Where, you know, kids dress up and they do trick and treat, uh, trick or treat. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to live in that place. It's funny that um, there was some version of that that I experienced. And so it definitely hits that note every time I watch the movie, even though now I can watch Halloween and say, Oh, it's, it's in Pasadena, California. It's spring. Oh, there's a palm tree in the background in this shot. Those leaves all had to be gathered up and blown around. (laughs) I mean, even knowing that stuff doesn't stop me from feeling that same kind of little twinge, Mm -hmm. but you didn't really get any kind of version of Halloween at all. Oh man. That's a bummer. Uh, they might show more, like a few more horror movies in yeah. October, but yeah. How was uh, how was New Mexico for Halloween? Was it just running wild in the fields and yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I remember you 
you everybody made their own costumes nobody bought anything so uh a lot so, of years are dressed up as a zombie yeah because that was easy <laughs> just got some ratty clothes and banded your face all gray yeah we, we had one of two things when you were younger it was either the ben cooper costumes you know the collegeville mask yeah and the smocky little jumpsuit it was either that or make your own costume. Yeah, that's all we had. And I think I had the little smocky costume. Uh, it was Ernie from Sesame Street my first year. <laughs> nice. But after that, I think we, we had to make our costumes. So, you know. Yeah, I think we had maybe our first two or three times trick-or-treating. We got the, the, the smock and the mask, the Ben Cooper or Collegeville because uh, I, I have a picture of me as as uh, Dracula and my brother as the devil, and uh, maybe I'll put those up on the Instagram yeah. <laughs> before Halloween. Maybe not this week, but uh, but we had those, and uh, and then probably at about age seven or eight, we had to just start making our own costumes, mm-hmm. and that was kind and of our problem. Just turn you loose on the streets and yeah. tell you to come home at some time and don't go into anyone's house. That was it. That was it. That was yeah. like the only rules was don't go inside. Did your parents okay. ever warn you about like if if they let, if they dropped you off at the movies? Did they ever warn you about you know if, if there's any weirdos in the bathroom, just get out of there? No, I don't remember ever being told that. <laughs> Maybe that was just a regional thing. Maybe and that might have been because of what's his face, uh, John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> but the folks would always say, "All right, you guys, uh, we'll pick you up when it's over. Um, if there's any weirdos, don't go in the bathroom." Mm. Yeah. yeah, we were shown like those uh, those scary warning films. Oh yeah, and they showed it. They showed it at school. So when I was about ten, you know, don't go with a stranger or stranger danger. Yeah, stranger danger. If there's but a stranger, stop, drop, and roll. I remember after after I'd left that school, so that would have been uh, what we call junior school. Uh, so that would be fifth grade for you. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, they 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 continue to show these kinds of films and they had police come in and tell kids you know don't yeah do such and such and uh uh and then they had uh plainclothes officers um would wait in cars outside the school and try and pick up kids wow <laughs> and uh and they they got they managed to con an alarmingly high number of them so they had to do it again and say look Oh my God! You're not listening. This but really we knew important. you were cops. <laughs> you had a convincing story. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they had to bring in like a bag with a severed head in it to just like really convince you how I bad imagine, it could go. Yeah, yeah. Usually it has to go there eventually. We had to kill one of the kids <laughs> just to make it <laughs> yeah, sacrificial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Halloween, I... man. You'd you'd really build it up in your mind oh yeah the, the old wicker man in the school field that was that was we always look forward to that yeah oh yeah, you'd god i would say probably you'd two have, months leading up to halloween you'd kind of plan on all the crazy shit you were gonna do and, and you'd have candy from like halloween until at least december week. or something i was gonna say at least a week later <laughs> <laughs> but i mean by the time December rolled around, you were left with like the really terrible things. Oh, yeah. I just had this impression of it from Charlie Brown, Peanuts. Yeah. Yeah. It was just this, just looked like this great thing. 
It was oh, great. It was. Went around and got candy from people for free. <laughs> well, back in the late 80s into early 90s, I want to say it was 89 into 90, 91, um, I was working at um, Musicland when they still had stores where you could go buy CDs in uh, the Chicago Ridge Mall on the south side of Chicago. And it was the first year where they did the safe, quote-unquote, safe trick-or-treating and the kids were in the gonna, mall. Yeah, oh, it's brightly lit. Sad. It made me so sad. I was whatever nineteen or twenty at the time. Uh, I don't know. And and I watched these just sad looking kids just <laughs> trudging around like hmm. they just they didn't even say trick or treat. They would just walk into your storefront and inside the mall and just hold their bag open and expect the you know the piece of candy. And of course, you gave it to them. And then they just what what do they do after that? Yeah, nothing interesting. They weren't throwing things and hiding and ding dong ditch and all that stuff you would do as a kid. Oh man! So that yeah, was yeah. You... What's ding dong ditch? When you go, oh, it's it's knock down ginger. I believe okay. is what you called it. So you, you knock on the door, and run away. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, things like that you would do. Like some kids would get a bunch of eggs and throw them at houses or cars or whatever. I never got into that. It just seemed dumb. I always uh, had the fear of older kids coming and stealing your candy. Yeah, you have and to do occasionally it. you would get chased. Oh yeah. Or somebody jump out and try to scare you. Yeah. When you were younger and you did it when you were older to yeah. younger kids cuz what goes around comes around. <laughs> it's a tradition. Yeah. <laughs> Just like the last day of school was always like crazy uh people running around with shaving cream and water balloons and rolls of toilet paper toilet papering people's houses and you know <laughs> terrifying freshmen vandalism and chaos yeah yeah yes if you if you look at the uh, the origins of halloween uh, it was all it was all about that yeah ancient ancient uh, shaving cream rituals <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, do you guys think we covered it pretty well? I think we covered it pretty well. Are yeah. we going to go watch It? Uh, yeah, for next uh, show, we are going to talk about It, the new one, not the old one. Um, but the old one has John Boy in it. It does have John Boy in it. Yes. But if you want if you want more John and Boy. And Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn it. Let's just watch the old one. <laughs> okay. Hey, maybe if we can get a hold of it um, without having to pay for it, we could just compare the two. But uh, it, I think, is great uh, for for our one hundredth show. Okay, I mean, I think that'll that'll really kind of okay. Well, put it in place. What day do we want to go on? Um, I was thinking like a Monday or Tuesday for us might be the easiest way to avoid the opening weekend crowds. Okay, with all the crinkling snack wrappers and I will be cell phones. It'll have to be an evening show. Yeah, I'll, I'll be at work. Yeah, same here. So, yeah. Well, cool. We'll cover it, and uh, that'll be great. But, uh, well, hopefully our listeners got a a bit of an idea, like, uh, what what ruined us and made us this way. What ruined us? Yeah. How about In Search Of? Do you remember those <laughs> yeah. shows? I was older and totally bulletproof to it, I guess. Yeah. I was like 10 I or 11 when I saw it. not being convinced by all but one of those, and I don't quite remember what it was now someone fell in a hole in a field and it was a bottomless pit and they could hear his voice in the field 
Oh, nice. Something about that freaked me out way more than any others. All the others were goofy, but it was the way Mr. Spock explained it. To yeah. You. Yeah. There's something with that voice, man. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Next time we're going to talk about it. Uh, listeners, if you want to say hi to us on our Facebook page, um, we're not hard to find. We are chewing the scenery. Uh, Instagram is a good place to find us. We're pretty active there. So, until next time, uh, thank you for listening. Stay off the moors.